good? Yeah, we're good. There we're good. Alright, we finally got it to record. the talking. I mean, we, we can, finally got it to record. We can restart if you'd like. Uh, nah. It's no? whatever. Alright. I'll edit this. Right. <laughs> no, you won't. Alright. Well, welcome, welcome back, folks. This is uh, for another fun and exhilarating episode of the Talk Box Podcast. Yeah. Uh, filling in for Chad is. Uh, Chad's not here. Yeah, I know. Is myself. Zach LaSalle, Cryolord530. Filling in for Pat is our good friend... Uh, Me, Adam. Adam Bento. I've been on more of these than Pat has been recently. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, filling in for Harry is uh, an empty chair. Uh, also played by Zach LaSala. Yep. And uh, filling in for Jason is another empty chair. Played yeah. by uh, Adam Bento. Yes. Excellent performance, Adam, as that empty Thank chair. So uh, a number of uh, a number of days, many moons have passed since our last podcast. Good, um, a couple of months. Yeah. Wow. And a lot of things have happened in that time. Yeah. A uh, ton of stuff. It's so much stuff. And right now we're recording this on the precipice of E3. Yes. So there's even more things to talk about to the point where we're probably going to run out of things. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll run out of time before we ever ever run out of things to talk about. Oh yeah. Still. No, definitely. So uh, what are. Hmm. What are you most excited for, Adam, about E3? E3? Yeah, let's let's I, get right into the meat of that. I am excited for the Nintendo Direct because Nintendo is kind of secretive about stuff. Mm. About what's coming out. I and uh, I know they a couple months ago they dropped the Super Smash Bros. trailer. And besides that, they just haven't really put out anything big. Mm-hmm. Well, it's important for, like, the hype, especially because, like, nowadays, hype really sells games, especially when it oh, comes yeah. to uh, what you're going to be pre-ordering, what you're going to be, like, looking into. They really want to keep it, um, I can see why they would keep it under wraps. Um, I know, what was that? Now, do you get anything from watching the Nintendo E3 presentation on your Switch? Because I know when a friend of mine used his Xbox One to check out the Microsoft announcements for things, they unlock little free versions of games. I'm not sure. I know with the Splatoon 2 World Championships, which mm-hmm. is happening along with whatever Nintendo is doing at mm-hmm. A3, uh, you got a uh, free in-game shirt if mm-hmm. you go through the little announcement thing okay. about it. Well, that's cool. Yeah, but I, I don't know. Mm. It's one of those. Um, yeah. Off the top of my head, I can't think of anything that this E3 that like that I'm really excited for. I think there's one thing that I'd like to see do well, and that's Anthem. Just be, but yeah. That's just because I know that if Anthem does well, then Bioware will do well. And I want Bioware to keep making games. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, how we all know how Mass Effect turned out. Um, yeah, but that's, Andromeda, especially. Well, <laughs> Well, because the regular Mass Effect series is really good, and then Andromeda dropped the ball, but I feel like Andromeda just dropped the ball because of, like, tone issues, and also because, like, we're starting with new... It's always going to be a rough... Rough start. A rough start and a rocky start when you're starting with new characters in a new universe. It's really tough to catch lightning in a bottle twice. Yeah. And plus the decision to not make DLC for it also kind of put the nail in the coffin. Like, if you had good DLC... Especially story-based DLC. That brings people in and brings people back. I thought there was DLC, but since the game didn't get a good reception, they canned, they canned it. For, yeah, well, it was like they were planning it out because it's Andromeda. It's a Mass Effect game. They were like, our yeah. story is what's going to sell. And then it just didn't sell well enough. And then folks just were like, all right, 
pulling the plug. It's a shame. So I, I want yeah. Anthem to do well. I hope it's a good game, and a, I hope it lives up to the hype, I guess, because it seems like I've been seeing a lot more ads for it lately, but not a lot of information as to what it is other than Destiny, but with Iron Man suits. Yeah. I can't really think of much else. I mean, there's a lot of rumors going around that, you know, I think Paladins is going to make it to Switch, and yeah. people keep going, like, well, Fortnite is on phones, when are they going to put it to Switch? Right. And that's and that's always, like, the common... Well, that's um one of the conversations that always happens at PAX East and a bunch of other road shows when it comes to showing off your demos is, your indie game is cool, but is it on the Switch? Yeah. Because that's sort of the, like... A little stamp of approval of like you've made it it's officially made it onto the switch and it's a cool indie game like that's how you know it's like you're set um nintendo has been doing good with indie games recently like once a week they'll be like check out all these cool indie games which is nice i i definitely nintendo has a very good uh idea of what is fun yeah and you can definitely tell that just because nintendo's always been a game company and they'll always make sort of fun and interesting games, and I've always sort of appreciated that about them. Yeah. Um, they know what they're doing. They, they really do, which I always... Props to you, Nintendo. I know you're yeah, not listening you. to this, but uh, you don't need any more, you know, bat packs. Uh, but there's one from us at the talk box. We, we appreciate what you do. Yeah. Uh, keep doing it, etc. Alright, moving on from that. Um, yeah. What have you been playing most recently there, Adam? Uh, so, yeah... Uh, since I know we've been last, talking about Nintendo things, so... Since the last time uh, we did a main podcast and uploaded it, I got a Nintendo Switch. Mm. And in that time, you have uh, surgically attached it to your body, and you play Pretty it much. all the time, forever. I, I, play, I play it a lot. Yeah. How is the new uh, Switch umbilical cord that hooks it to your uh, sternum? <laughs> I like it. It's, it's a lot of fun. I've been... Mainly playing Splatoon. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the, it's I don't know, it's it's fun. Every I know season. you had expressed interest in the Banner Saga, which is coming yes. to Switch. Is it uh, coming to Switch or is it on Switch? One and two are already on the Switch. Ah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I cannot recommend Banner Saga highly enough. It's one of my top ten games of all time, and uh, yeah, the new one's coming out in July. So awesome. Well, yeah. That's coming right up. I kickstarted it and I'm hoping to get a cool shirt and a cool mug uh, from that. Soon, yeah. So that'll be nice. Yeah, so I'll probably eventually get those. Uh, My question is um, is there a effective method? I know s- streaming is the new thing. Yeah. Uh, does the Switch have a method of like sort of capturing your gameplay and like being able to upload it places? Um, the only thing that I don't I could think see, do video. I, I could see a bento, uh, a bento plays banner saga. Yeah, they uh, can. Um, you can take like pictures, like, okay. screenshots, but okay. that's about it. Yeah, so you can take your, you know, uh, welcome from sunny Viking village that's falling apart, and uh, just leave that as a little. Yeah, I, I'm sure. It's you can easily probably hook it up to like a game capture. Thing. Yeah, yeah. I just wasn't sure if it, like, innately came with it. Just because no. I know streaming's, like, a thing with, like, a bunch of the other consoles. Yeah. So what else have I been playing on Switch? I've been playing Breath of the Wild. Mm-hmm. Uh, I recently got my first Amiibo. Oh, yeah. Alright. Hello? Yeah. Alright, sorry about that. I got cut off. <laughs> so you recently got your first Amiibo. Yes. Uh, to repeat uh, previous Adam from, like, eight seconds ago. Yeah. Uh, 
And it's the what? It's, it's the original. The link? link riding the horse. Mm. But the thing is, this is like the first time I went to GameStop mm-hmm. near my girlfriend, mm-hmm. and it's like the first time I've actually seen amiibos like in person for like a decent price, right? Because like, most of the time it's Amazon. It's twenty seven dollars. I paid, got mine for like fourteen, mm-hmm. which good. is like normal price. So. Yeah. I've been meaning to get. Um, I only have one. Thing that uses amiibos, and that's my 3ds. And I yeah. haven't, I've, been, I've stayed strong for a long time. Uh, but now I'm actually thinking about getting them, uh, partly just because I want to unlock um, various Fire Emblem characters in the Fire yeah. Emblem games I have, but also because there's a um, one of the games I talked about previously on one of our podcasts or on one of our uh, box cards was uh, Codename Steam. And Codename Steam, which is an older, weirder game. Oh, yeah, we talked about that. Yeah. yeah. Has uh, amiibo support for four Fire Emblem characters. That's weird. Which is super weird because they don't have, like, everyone else in the game is, like, in steampunk, like, power armor with, like, yeah. guns. And then you can just, like, add, like, Ike. And Ike's just, like, there with, like, the sword, like, looking around in, like, a cape. Just, like, well, I guess I'll just stab these aliens yeah. now. And, like, you can get, like, Robin and Lucina and some yeah. of the other ones. So, a couple other things with the Switch. I recently got the Mega Man Legacy Collection. Oh, yeah. So, I've been playing that That's good. occasionally. And I, uh, indie game-wise, mm-hmm. I found a game called Diver Valhalla. Okay. Which, it's sound... I, the reason why I got it is mm. because through GameStop, I got, like, $5, like, Nintendo Store Cash because I added it. Right. I had enough points. And then if you buy things on the eShop, you get, like, gold coins you can turn to money. Mm-hmm. So, basically, it was a $10 game. And, like, calculating it out, I'm like, I only need to pay, like, $2 for this. Okay, yeah. That's so a pretty good... I'm going to pick it up. And, essentially, what you, you play is, like, like, a Valkyrie spirit. Mm-hmm. And... You don't have a name or anything, and your job is to, like... Basically to go around, like, go around uh, finding the slain and, like, bringing them to Valhalla. Yeah, just being... And then the, the way it works, though, is it's kind of similar to, like, a Castle Crasher-style game, where you have the overall map, and you just go on and just, like, beat up everything. Yeah. But you, you have the Valkyrie, but you can possess Vikings, and you go up to their gravestones, and then you become that Viking, and you can level it up. Oh. And then when that dies, you can, you know, pick it up again. And yeah, that's cool. I like it's that. It's super fun. It's, like, cartoony. And that sounds like a solid game there. Oh, yeah. for It's it's normally, like, $10. Uh, if you have a Switch, I highly recommend picking it up. Because it is, it's great. That's good. I know, God, what was I playing the other day was, um... I've been on a real uh, Norse mythology kick, and for yeah. a second, I thought you were talking about, um, I think it's a similar game, which is like Fight for Valhalla, which is basically Battle Royale, but with Vikings, which oh, cool. I recently saw the other day. I haven't gotten a chance to play it, but it um, looks to be sort of a combination like Mountain Blade or like a um, chivalry, uh, like medieval combat, yeah. but with Battle Royale mechanics, with opening up chests and pulling out nice. like, bows and stuff and, you know... Going to town with Vikings. Yeah. Um, um, last thing about Switch. I have been trying out a couple of demos of games that are coming out. <laughs> have uh, you tried the demo for Detective Pikachu? Because I know I just got a... Is that uh, on the Switch? No? That's a 3DS thing. What the heck? And the amiibo is giant. Oh, man. And I've seen it. Uh, I, I got the notification today about the, uh, the demo, and I was thinking about yeah. looking into it. 
but I'm still bummed that... If it was um, on the Switch, I'd totally play it. I'm still bummed Danny DeVito was in the voice of uh, Pikachu in that one. Yeah. I feel like that was a missed uh, opportunity. So, I, yeah, I tried the uh, Mario Tennis one. Oh, yeah? I'm garbage at it. That, I mean... It's a, it's a split, it has a high learning curve. It's a, yeah. It's not motion controlled. Oh, it's not? I feel like it'd be easier if it was. I can see that. I remember Wii Sport Tennis being something that was, like, not difficult to get your sort of brain wrapped around. Well, the, the demo wasn't motion controlled because it was like an online tournament thing. Mm-hmm. I guess they wanted everyone to be fair. Oh, that makes sense. And the other demo I played was this kind of puzzle adventure game called Sushi Strikers Way of Shushido where you play as in a world where sushi is banned by the government and I, then some these rogue figures going around like fighting with sushi okay and you basically just match colored plates on like a thing this and then you proceed super... to throw the plates at whoever you're fighting okay and it's super fun i dig it it, it i i remember hearing about this now now that you've talked about this i remember a sushi based combat game being mentioned oh, by yeah. someone and me going that doesn't sound like a game but it could be fun Dang, that's good. And there's like little like sprites. Nice. In the demo, one of them finds you, except the voice doesn't match at all with no. the adorable. This is like this deep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's um. What was the game? It reminds. That sounds very similar to Adult Swim. Uh, came out with a game a while back, which I think is on the Switch. It called uh, Battle Chef Brigade. I believe yeah. it's called. I don't know it's if it's the, on the Switch, but I know what you're I talking about. I think it's on the Switch, but it was like you went out into the world in like a side-scrolling, uh, like beat 'em up kind of style, and you like killed various monsters and you collected their parts, and then you had to go through a puzzle game where you were like chef, like cooking up the various ingredients that you collected from the world into different like uh, like dishes and the different like colors of things that you matched up in the puzzle game were the different flavors that you were matching up with the dish. Yeah. And then by the end of your puzzle, you would have, like, a proper, like, thing that you would serve to judges, and they would compare yours versus, like, a fantasy, like, ogre chef person. Yeah. Which is cool. But that sounds very similar. Sushi Strikers is one of those games, like, this this sounds ridiculous, and I tried the demo, I was like, it's actually fun. Yeah. I had the same thought with, um, totally accurate Battle Royale Simulator. Where oh, to- I wasn't totally sure. Totally Battlegrounds? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. I, I was playing it. I, I got it for free uh, because it, for the first hundred hours they're giving it away for free and then it's going to be five bucks. Um, and I will say when I first saw it, I was like, I'm not sure what this is and I'm not sure how to play it, but we'll see how this goes. And my first 20 minutes with it were really stupid, really fun. Uh, I like the inclusion of uh, musket weapons. <laughs> Uh, and crossbows and like various crossbows of various sizes uh, I like that everyone's kind of like uh, like you can't like aim and shoot super well yeah it's, like you just kind of like hold the gun and hope it hits something and just see what happens it's it's by the people who made totally accurate battle simulator that's right which is goofy as all hell oh yeah well it's what I think it's kind of funny just because they made this game as like an April Fool's joke and then oh, they yeah. were like oh I mean, it's a game now, and people like it. Let's just keep going. And I don't know. It's it's charming. It's charming yeah. in its simplicity. I do like how the the zone isn't so much a like glowing like gas or like a glowing energy field or like a gas that like hits the map. It's just big blocky walls. And when you're out of the zone for too long, the wall like hovers like a pillar over you and just like <laughs> like crushes you under the pillar. That- it's really. It's it's charming. It's a charming, fun little weird game. 
Um, yeah, that sounds about right for something that they I've made. also, uh, I've been playing a lot of, well, Harry, why don't you tell us more about Conan Exiles? Thank you, Harry, for that. Uh, Harry and I have been playing uh, a lot of Conan Exiles. Um, oh, together? Yeah, well, because oh, it's, cool. uh, again, it's not a single-player game. It's a it's like your typical survival game. Think of it as Ark, but without the dinosaurs. Or Rust. That's what I heard. Um, and so you run around collecting resources and then building bases and places and doing stuff. Um, and it's been kind of a hike. Like, it's been an uphill battle uh, just because... Harry and I, when we first started playing in Early Access, um, we were playing the game, and it was like we were playing on a server, and there were occasionally wipes. So every once in a while, your whole base would just go from existing to no longer existing, which was a real pain in the ass. Then the official release happened, and uh, every single official server that there was, including the one we used to be on, was full up. We're like, okay, well, this, this kind of sucks. Guess we have to go to unofficial. We went to an unofficial server. And that was good for a bit, but then they kept updating and doing like little wipes on that server, and we ended up losing our base like three times, uh, which was rough. The third time was funny because thanks to Harry's uh, smooth talking with the admins, uh, we got a couple items that we weren't supposed to. Like he, They basically showed up to give us all of our things back, and Harry was like, I mean, well, we also lost like a couple vaults. And four of the same named thrall that's really important. And uh, I've been up to the volcano area, so we had some obsidian that we needed. And uh, 500 corrupted stone, which is an ass to make. And they gave it to us. And we're like, all right, cool. No questions asked. Let's just take all this stuff and make a cool base out of it now that we have 5 billion times the resources we used to have. And then they closed that server. Uh, The folks that were on it were just like, we don't want to keep owning the server we're just going to close it and they close it without warning so that was fun and now I'm on a different server that a different buddy had and we had to rebuild our base again for like the sixth time (laughs) and it's really frustrating because like I can't remember what I've done and what I haven't done on this server that I've done on previous servers because like there's like a lot what I do like is that Conan doesn't tell you a lot of what's going on Uh, The story's there, but you have to, like, find it in, like, little, like, rooms and, like, bosses and dungeons. And they don't really tell you exactly where the dungeons are, what the dungeons are, what you need to complete them, things like that. Um, You can find recipes in the world, like, uh, if you complete the, uh, one of the very early bosses that they have in, like, a little side dungeon in the starting area. uh, And you beat them, you not only earn the, like, recipes to make uh, various cool weapons and, like, armor out of his, like, body parts... Uh, you also get the ability to make glowing torches out of bones and, like, seaweed. Oh, nice. Which is super cool. Um, and they don't really tell you, like, hey, this is something that you'll need. Like, you have to look and find that. Or um, we discovered... I discovered very early on I made a fluid press. And I wasn't sure what that was for except for tossing berries in and making juice out of it. And then we started throwing fish into it. Uh, fun fact, if you put enough pressure on a fish, it emits oil. Uh, and you can then use that oil for various uh, things, like running your forge off of, because it's a nice. cleaner burning fuel than just regular wood. Um, and it was just, it's a really, oh, and then I started putting heads in it. Uh, <laughs> because I wasn't sure what else to do with it, and I was like, well, it crushes fish. This is the podcast title. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was and you put like because they let you collect heads of various things and you can earn early XP by crafting them into like little like stuffed heads that you mount on the wall 
as decorations, and that you can get decent XP in the beginning of the game just by like killing crocodiles, cutting off their heads, and then mounting their heads on walls places. Um, Makes sense. But I was like, well, these heads have to have another use. And I put them in a fluid press, and out came bones and blood. And I was like, yeah. Also, there's a lot more cannibalism than I expected. From what I heard, yeah. Like, I've, like, there was definitely a point there where I was walking around, and it was uh, cheaper and easier for me to just, like, kill enemies and then hack them up and then eat their parts than it was for me to go about the process of cooking up my own meat from, like, hunting regular animals. Because <laughs> I had all the perks that meant, hey, it's raw meat, you can just eat it without taking damage. I was like, fine, perfect, whatever. And then I was, like, walking around with, like, 30 human arms just to kind of, like... <laughs> Just, uh, Take it out of your backpack. Light, light snack. Just ah, rah, rah. Although I'm disappointed that you can't like jerky them. Because I know you can jerky all the other meats. So it's like... Jerky Yeah, well, it, you can make like dried meats out of the different things using a special drying rack. Jerky like, fingers. And then... It's just a really cool damn game. Oh, yeah. I will say, like, I'm already like a fan of the Conan mythos. But like this game is just kind of neat because they don't tell you a lot. And you just kind of run around the world slowly learning things. Like, um... There's a whole region that I haven't explored yet called the Corrupted City, and it's literally just, like, full of, like, this corrupting magic, and there's, like, bat demons and, like, weird zombies. But I ran in there quickly to just explore a little bit, and I walked into a room that had, like, a ghost, like a big blue ghost, which I've never seen before. And I talked to the ghost, and he was like, would you like to learn how to make a map room? And I was like, I don't know what that is, but yeah. So I, like, learned how to make it. I ran back out of the city before I got, like, totally corrupted. And I ran into, a, like, a were-hyena, and I talked to a were-hyena, he taught me an emote and told me a little bit more about the world. Didn't tell me anything about the map room. And then I, like, looked up the map room online. Yeah. And it's, like, a special fast-travel building that you can build that lets you jump between various magical, like, obelisks that you can attune to that before I just was like, oh, you can attune to them, I'm not sure what they're for. But then it's like, oh, this is a thing you can use it for. and it's, That's dope. It's really cool. And, like, you'll be running through... Uh, You'll be running through and you'll, like, talk to, like, a person. And sometimes there's NPCs you can talk to that will, like, teach you things. Uh, I ended up climbing a really tall mountain and, like, talking to a guy who happened to be on the top of it. And he was like, (laughs) would you like to know how to climb things better? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, here's the recipes for climbing boots and climbing gloves. And I was like, okay, neat. Or, like, I went to a pirate ship and I killed the captain of the pirate ship and I was looking around his place. And I found a little recipe book and it was like, hmm... We found a supply of hook hands, eye patches, and uh, peg legs. <laughs> These look pretty neat. So neat that I'm going to tell everyone to wear them, even if we have to cut off our own limbs to look really cool wearing them. And I was like, neat. And now I know how to make uh, peg legs and uh, hook hands. It's just a... Yeah. It's a damn cool game. And I like that it's mostly PvE. Like, it's mostly you're out in the world fighting monsters. There, You can go on PvP servers and... There's a whole new yeah. and exciting aspect to, like, jumping into people's bases and, like, stealing their things. But, I don't know. I just, I have thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I will say it's, again, been frustrating for the amount of times I've had to restart. Yeah, don't blame me for from that. From scratch, but it's, you know, I can forgive it that, because once you sort of know what you're doing, you can get pretty far pretty fast. Um, it sounds like it. And I'm looking forward to future updates, just because they've talked about adding more of a magic system to the oh, game. Oh, cool. And also adding uh, the taming of pets. Because right now, all you can really tame are people. <laughs> uh, well, because, okay. That makes sense in Conan. But, well, yeah. in Conan, like, you, you set up a big... You set up a big generic wheel. If you've seen... Uh, 
any of the Conan movies, you know what I'm talking about. It's just a big wheel in the middle of nowhere that you force people to push until they're loyal to you. Uh, you go out in the world, you find NPCs that have uses, like cooks or blacksmiths or carpenters. You knock them unconscious uh, with like a special cudgel. You drag them back, which is always kind of a fun experience because you like lasso a ragdoll and just drag them through the world and like jump <laughs> off cliffs while they're following you and they're just like bouncing off of everything. And sometimes you walk... You walk too close to a panther, and the panther's, like, trying to attack you, and it's just, like, swatting at the at the person that you're dragging through the jungle. It's great. It's just well, that's fantastic. Good. That's good. I like that. But, no, I've been enjoying it, and uh, I've been playing a lot with Harry, and we've been uh, making a lot of progress, I will say. So, that's been yeah, fun with that. Cool. And I've been, I don't know, I just, it's really soothing just to be, because, like, half of it is just, like, um... It was described to me once as, like, the perfect, like, podcast game. Just because a lot of what you do is, like, the generic rinse and repeat of, like, resource gathering. Yeah. Um, Which you can just sort of, like... And there's not, like, a lot to, like, worry about when it comes to sound cues. So, for the most part, you can just kind of, like, listen to whatever you want while you're playing. Which is nice. Yeah. 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 So, that's good. Uh, I'm trying to think what else I've been playing lately. Um, I know Far Cry 5 just came out with a new DLC, which hasn't been well-received... Um, I will say I like the idea that they... Far Cry has this weird thing where they like to make a DLC that's like a cool story DLC for an entirely different story, and I like that. I like that they take their engine that you're used to, they take your uh, system that you're used to, and they modify it. Uh, And this has been seen to be especially successful with uh, Far Cry Blood Dragon. Back when they had Far Cry 3, they made a whole wonderful expansion based entirely around like an 80s sci-fi action movie uh, starring Rex Power Colt, and uh, and it was a as someone who played Blood Dragon, phenomenal game, definitely like a must play, like yeah. better than regular Far Cry. Um, now I know that the one that they recently released, I think it's called Hour of Darkness, uh, which is like a Vietnam War uh, story. Oh yeah, set Something using like that. that same kind of like it still uses the Far Cry system. Uh, and like all the engine stuff from Far Cry 5 but it brings you back to sort of a traditional jungle outpost experience that you might be like itching for from Far Cry 3 um, I know they have a really interesting system where it's there's more of a focus on stealth uh, in this expansion and I kind of like that because like the, from what it was described to me was um, you have perks that you earn through like linking together a bunch of stealth kills and going about like stealth killing people and as you get those perks, they get better and better and you move faster and faster, but once you're found, once you've been sort of, like, identified and, like, the whole base erupts into shooting, you lose those perks. So it really sort of has a focus on this stealth gameplay. Uh, I like that. I like that it's sort of a an homage to various sort of uh, other forms of media. There are hints about all the DLCs in, like, the main game, so, like, you, the main character that you play in Hour of Darkness is an old man who has you going around getting his buddy's Vietnam lighters in uh, the actual main game, which I liked. Um, and it still has like the buddy system as you free like your fellow Marines, they're, oh, yeah. your companions and stuff, which I like too, because I do appreciate that system with Far Cry. But we'll have to see how they do with like other uh, DLCs, like I especially... I like that this one's focus is stealth, and I'd like to see if each other one focuses on, like, a different aspect of, like, the Far Cry sort of formula. Uh, maybe, like, the space one will have a focus on specifically, like, run and gunning, and the zombie one might have a focus on, like, 
I don't know, driving especially or something. Yeah. Along those lines. But we'll see. Yeah. It's definitely uh, something to look into uh, later. I don't know if I'll actually end up playing the Hour of Darkness DLC just because it's like more of the same. And I haven't even beaten the regular Far Cry yet, just because I'm trying yeah. to like finish up side quests and like side wrap up the fun. story. Well, side quests are fun, but also I feel like it's become a. I don't know if this is true of all games because it just feels like side quests are what you're going to be spending most of your time doing, just because they're always going to be more interesting than like a main quest. And I think that's just indicative of all things, like all the games that I've been playing lately that have had like your main quest versus your side quest, I've always been more engaged by that side content than I have, like, the main story beyond, like, a certain point. Which is kind of a shame. But, we'll see how that goes. I know, oh god, I tricked myself into not buying a game that I'm kind of kicking myself playing. I don't know if you've heard anything about Vampire, uh, which is um, a recently released uh, game about being a... Uh, I believe it's in a post-World War One London, uh, and you play a doctor uh, who is now a vampire. Okay. And you go around doing vampire stuff, as you would. It's interesting. And it was funny, because I, like, I basically looked at it and I said, this is a game Zach would like, which means it's not going to do very well, because it's not going to be a very good game, <laughs> because that seems to be my formula of... I like this game, I believe in it so much, I will pre-order it. And then the second I pre-order it, like, the game bombs. Um, so I didn't pre-order this one, so it's a good game now. <laughs> good job, everyone. Go out and buy Vampire. Uh, but it's really interesting because it's made by the folks who made, like, Life is Strange. And I think it's their first time okay. doing a game that's more of, like, an action RPG. Uh, so one of the main complaints is, like, the combat is kind of weird. But their social system with it is really cool. Because one of the main draws is that you are, as a vampire, uh, get more... Ex- like, you have to drink blood for your experience uh, yeah, in order to get more sense. experience points in order to level up. But you get more experience the more you know about a person. So, for instance, there's like a whole social thing where you go and you talk to a person. And the more that you talk to them and the more that you find out about their lives, you can basically, like, you can just eat a person for a certain amount of XP... But if you go and you, like, learn everything there is to know about old Mary McGillicuddy living in the, down the street, uh, by the time that you've maxed out everything about her and you know everything about her, where at one point she might have been, like, 500 XP, now she's 20,000 XP. Just from, like... But, like, now... That's but now you know so much about her. And you know that if you do feed off of her, she's going to die. So then it becomes this whole, like, process of, like, oh, no, I can't eat Mary... She feeds an army of cats, and she, like, volunteers at the soup kitchen, and is a relatively nice woman. Whereas before, I just thought she was a screaming fish woman. But now I know she's good. And now you have to try to, like, rectify, like, she's worth so much XP. But is she worth that much XP? Is she worth... Yeah. Or are you willing to, like, sacrifice, you know... And then once you do eat someone... They do a really good job of having the rest of your world, like, react around it. Like, people who relied on her NPCs will, like, be affected by her death, which is neat. And people have been talking about it as, like, kind of an interesting system to go off of where people are reacting to people's death in certain ways. Um, which is neat. I, I, I like everything I'm hearing about it, which makes it a shame that I didn't buy it. But then again, if I did buy it, it would probably do terrible. So. Well, you can wait till it goes on sale, and then you buy it. Yeah, there's a there's a couple games I'm waiting to go on sale for. I know Battletech came out a while ago, and I've been itching for another giant robot fighting game 
that I can get my that I can sink my teeth into. As as you do. As you do. Well, it's made by the Harebrain Schemes guys, and okay. they uh, previously made the Shadowrun Returns games. So they have a very decent track record when it comes to taking IPs that were sort of uh, IPs that were previously like role playing games and even older computer games and revitalizing them. So I'd like to see what they've done with it. You know. That sounds cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think what else we had to talk about. Yeah. I know um, there's more E3 stuff, but that's really, like, they haven't announced a great deal. No, not uh, yet. this time. Um, a lot of big announcements already happened. You know, Battlefield Five mm, Or Battlefield V. Battlefield something. Yeah. It, it, are we going back to World War II with this it's one? It's World War II. Okay. Yeah. I'm a little... I don't, I, Apparently World War One did good. So. World War One did really good, but I think it's because no one did anything in World War One before. I think other than Verdun and a couple other like series, right, no yeah. one else really had like a World War One shooter. And I think that if they took, if you just go back to World War Two, you're still gonna get World War Two gameplay that you could get anywhere else. I think That's it's really. If I really wanted to make something interesting, I would take the battlefield like esque sort of uh, gameplay mode, and I would yeah. find a way to modify it to various sort of forgotten or at least not so well tread uh conflicts. Yeah. Like there's a lot to say about the Spanish American War or even like give me the give me a civil war game. I well they have a bunch of those. Um no, like imagine if you will yeah. instead of a Okay, instead of doing Battlefield 1, you would do like Battlefield like Age of Imperialism and it would just be like oh. A bunch of, like, you'd play various British... Like, imagine you're a group of British and Gurkha soldiers and you're defending a, a mountain pass in India from, like, waves of, like, uh, thuggy cultists and bandits coming after good. you. Yeah. And, like, everyone's got, like, kukri knives and, like... Or, like, you're in uh, Africa during the Boer Wars and you're fighting, like, uh, German settlers who have allied with Zulu warriors and they're, like, surrounding your settlements and you're trying That's to, good. like, defend against those. There's a whole history of cool yeah. scenarios that mesh with Spanish that. Spanish-American War would Spanish-American War would be great. Yeah. Uh, fighting in Cuba, like you could be like with Teddy Roosevelt there on his horse, and you could be charging up San Juan Hill. Like, I, yeah. it's I don't know. There's a whole. So much you can do. There's a whole. Uh, his history has so many cool moments that you could easily make games out of, and I feel like a lot of times we go back to the well-tread. Like, well, Battlefield One was a success. You know what we need to follow this up with? The obvious sequel, World War Two, <laughs> which everyone has done before. Like it yeah, just it feels all the the Call of Duty games before for uh, Medal of Honor. Yeah, fucking forgot about those games. Well, that was remember that Medal of Honor was like the first like, oh, yeah. series of like World War Two sort of games, and then Call of Duty kind of came in and was like, we're doing the same thing, we're competing, and then they Modern competed Warfare for a while, happened. and then Modern Warfare was like, we're flipping the script. Regular guns from regular... And, like, people were like, okay, well, this is really good because it matches that formula really well, but, like, we already... We had games that had modern, like, guns and modern war. It's just people weren't playing them. Like, I don't know why it was so popular, probably, because they had, like, that Makes right sense. pacing and energy. And then they were like, we're going back to World War Two, And I was like, what? <laughs> okay. Because that's what they did. Yeah. Who knows? Uh, let's see... Anything else we can talk about? Um, I know it's... Uh, uh, Chad, do you have anything? All right, Harry? 
Alright, Pat. Good. Good to hear. Yeah. Uh, Thanks, guys. Real good. Real, real good support on that um, one. Uh, that was a nice one, Chad. I like that joke. That was a good joke. Talk about some of the RPG stuff I've been looking at. What have you been looking at RPG-wise? Because I know yeah. there's a number of RPGs that are out there in the wild. Tab- tabletop RPGs, by the tabletop way. Tabletop RPGs. There are other good regular RPGs, but this oh, is yeah. going to be... We're going to unplug for a moment here. Yeah. Oh, let's let's see. Yeah. So, I think I've mentioned before that I'm super into the Tiny Dungeon, Tiny D6 you system. You have. You have been uh, the <laughs> number one person who I've been hearing... Like on street corners, like yelling about it in a megaphone. You like, hear about Tatter Dungeon? I'll be I'll be walking down the street, and all of a sudden, I'll just hear, "Hey, you! You have a couple of dice? I'm not talking about gambling. I'm talking about role play. Tiny Dungeon, come and play, Tiny." And like, I'm just like, "Oh, is that Adam? Ah, oh, cool. He's out here. Nice." Yeah. So yeah, the Tiny Dungeon. I think I talked about on the last podcast. And it's not just this. Ain't just your. Uh, grandmother's tiny dungeon. Oh yeah, uh, we're we've gotten away from the fantasy setting, if I remember. Yeah, uh, and then there's Tiny Frontiers, which is in space and has so many different race options for like aliens. That's cool. You could be I forget one, and it basically just looks like a bunch of sticks that got melted together. It just okay. kind of walks around. That's cool. Now, can you take the various like if I wanted to take my medieval? And I wanted to mix my fantasy, and I wanted to mix it with my sci-fi. It all sort of congeals the same way. Oh, they're they're similar, mm-hmm. like humans in both games. Like, right. There, there are similar things you can do. I guess my question is, what if I wanted to mix? What do they seem to work okay if you try to mix them? Like if I, I know that for instance, the fantasy version has a bear option. If I want to be a yes. space bear. Uh, you can yes. There's actually a micro setting where everybody plays bears that were trained, while all the humans and other people are in cryo sleep. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I you could you. totally be a space bear. Okay, cool. Uh, cool. If you wanted, to. and then we were also talking. I know you were talking about running a uh, an '80s action movie, Tiny Dungeon. Is that yes. your personal creation, or is no, that a Tiny Dungeon? It thing? is. It runs on Tiny D6. It's mm-hmm. called Magnum Vice Fury Force. Nice. And I should show it to you after this. Mm. It's we goddamn ridiculous because it's essentially just uh, you play as eighties action movie, right? Like loose uh, cannon cop on the edge. Yes, loose cannon. Rico cop. Mendoza, the, uh, the badass, the the yeah. grizzled leader, the, the nerd hacker. I'm getting too old for this. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. And basically, it's like there's uses like the same like skill set. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no magic in this one. Okay. Uh, it says like you can allow some players to use magic, but most of it, it's like magic is used by the bad guys who want to find some like strange artifact. Okay. Yeah. Nine times out of ten, you're fighting someone with like crazy powers or crazy whatevers, and that's going to sort of come into play whenever you're like. Yeah. Uh, it's your typical uh, double dragon cult, or your like, yeah. ninja clan, or etc. Or, you know. The bad guys from Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah, those guys. Yeah. Love those guys. Love the. <laughs> I forget their names. But I remember that yeah. they like start off as just generic gangsters and then slowly evolve their way into an evil cult run by Lo Pan, the ancient yeah. Chinese sorcerer. So it's it's that. And then each. each um... Because they're not like races or classes, they're all like humans. So yeah. each like archetype 
has like an ability you can use mm-hmm. uh, that that you have to spend an awesome action point to use. But to rebuild awesome action points, you use these things called like eighty skills. Okay. But what I love about it is it just gives you the name of the skill. It doesn't tell you what it does. So you can just do whatever with it? So the it... grizzled leader has an ability you can... They're all like... You have to roll 3d6 to determine mm-hmm. which three you get. Mm-hmm. Uh, the grizzled leader has one called Norm. And it's just Norm in quotation marks with an exclamation point. What does Norm do? Who knows? <laughs> Who is Norm? Uh, the hacker one just has something called Power Glove. Okay. In all caps. Mm-hmm. So it's just so is it super convenient. In that case, is it more of a you find out based on the DM, or do you just discover it yourself, or do you work it's, with the DM to create whatever that skill does? Uh, it depends. Like, mm. the DM can like, all right, well, I want to use Norm. And some of them are, like, kind of obvious. One of them's, like, having having the right item in your parachute pants. Okay, so it's, oh, so it's like, oh, you reach into your parachute pants, pants and you pull out whatever the item yeah. is that you needed. Oh, you mean this? And you pull out, like, the ancient relic, and it's like, yeah. how did you get that? It's like, I, yeah. hey, man, I was just doing a dance and it fell in there. I don't know. So, yeah, it, you know, it's up to the DM, it's up yeah. to the players okay. working on it. Uh, another part is during character creation, you need a tagline or catchphrase yeah. and a theme song. Oh, yeah. The, right. the theme song is slotted in the initiative order. Oh. So before you go... You play the theme the song. The theme song plays. And then, and you, then you make and your then action. You make, that's cool. I like that. That's a neat way of doing it. Oh, yeah. I can it's, I can appreciate everything about this so far. Yeah, and then, yeah, Tiny Frontiers, going back to that, instead mm. of magic... Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like use, a technology sort of deal, or... Uh, they have some psionic abilities, and then... Uh, you could do cybernetic enhancements. Right. So it's like, oh, instead of a skill, you take a cybernetic enhancement. It's like, yeah. I instead want a robot of, arm. Yeah, and it's like, okay, my robot arm has these abilities as opposed to, you know, being able to... You're basically trading out your feats and your various, like, magical abilities for, yeah. you know, cool so, robotics, as you would expect. Yeah. So, yeah, Tiny D6 system is super cool. Neat. Yeah. I know, I've been looking into um, Blades in the Dark, which is a kind of a neat... Um, crime game uh, where you basically when you start your players decide what kind of a game they want to play by what kind of a crew they are so are they smugglers are they drug peddlers are they uh, a a cult are they a group of mercenaries that just like fight people like what are they Uh, and then you kind of uh, exist in this it's a very dishonored style world where it's like a like a steampunk but like weird Um, the the oceans have turned black uh, and it's like the consistency of like this inky blood kind of stuff. The there is no sun; it's all like darkness, but like lit by street lamps. Um, there's a ghost fence around the whole city to keep uh, spectral things from coming in. Oh, that's uh, kind of cool. And like people who die in the city sometimes come back as ghosts. There are demons. There are monsters. There are like you know vampires and things. Um, and yeah, you're criminals. So and. What's interesting about it is as a DM, whatever your players are dealing with, you have to... um, There are essentially turn counters for every single thing. Oh, that's kind of cool. And so with your faction, say that you are part of a gang and you're fighting another gang. And that gang's special ability, which they like detail out, is 
they have some corrupt politicians. So they get more of their members who are in prison out over a course of time. So you make a circle and then partition it out into a clock, essentially. And that'll be your... Say it's like, okay, it takes six turns. Each turn is this is like an action of the okay. players in their district for something to happen. So it's a six-turn clock to get a group of ten prisoners pardoned from Blackgate Prison. Okay, my characters are running around and each one of them is planning to do something in this initiative turn or whatever in the district. Like, um, Chad wants to build a flamethrower, so he has to buy uh, stuff to make that. Uh, Pat is communing with ghosts in the district, so he has to take a turn to do that or whatever. Uh, And then it's like, okay, that, you know, those will take various turns. We'll drop that by this many. And then as they do tasks, as they do quests, as they fight the other gang... Um, time will still pass, and that clock will still go down at the DM's discretion until, yeah. you know, it hits zero. And then, oh, a new shipment of prisoners from the prison have been released, and they're part of this gang. So now the gang that you've been fighting now has an extra, like, group of hardened criminals with them. Now it's like, okay. oh no, they've just got 20 of their guys back. And then the clock resets, and you decide sort of what gets in the way of that, and what stops that, and whether or not the players are trying to stop that clock, or are making it go faster through okay. their actions. So like so a couple people would be like, all right, we know in this many turns they're going to get prisoners. Let's try to stop that. Yeah, if you like okay. go out and you're like, how are these guys showing up so easily? We keep, like, the cops keep arresting them, but they keep coming back. What's the deal? And they look into it. They can be like, oh, how do we disable that clock? How do we, you know, get that politician to... And sometimes maybe if your gang has similar problems, you can, like, hijack that clock. Uh, and by like getting that politician, then it becomes your clock, and you can figure that out. And the same goes with like um, heists. So, yeah. for instance, you have say you like as a DM set like okay, my players don't have a lot of time to get from the roof hatch to the basement where the safe is, and when in between, like they know the guard schedule, but the guards will have like a shift change in four turns, essentially. Okay. So you set a four turn clock. And it's like, okay, my characters, if they can't get to the vault by four turns, the guards are back in their position. Because the guards have done, like, a shift change. Like, say there's this long for, like, this window of opportunity that they know about that they're trying to get through. And so it adds, like, a time element to everything that you do. That's really cool. I like that. It's a cool... Everything I read about the system is cool. And, like, everything I look into, like, um, a lot of their adventure hooks are really neat and kind of like a gothic, kind of darker kind of style. You're not, like... You know, shining examples in your yeah. you're a bunch of gangsters essentially, and I've always enjoyed crime games because they set up a lot of interesting. I feel like a lot of D and D games miss out on like a heist aspect, yeah, of like planning and like skill sets can have. I know the most recent uh, module that they've announced uh, for D and D five e is the, the Dragon Heist, Dragon Heist, uh, which will have like a heist to it, and I appreciate that. But on the other hand. I feel like not enough DMs look into a heist or a... Um, Breaking into... Well, I've played a lot of Payday 2 with Chad and Harry yeah. and Pat. There's a video on the channel. And I checked it out. Yeah, that was fun. But it's one of those things where it's really cool to sit down with like a blueprint of a location and you know what you need to get in and you like prepare based off of that. And you do planning oh, yeah. and you do prep work before a heist. Like you... Like, Payday doesn't have this, but, like, in a normal heist situation, you would have to get a, uh, a vehicle. 
you know, a getaway vehicle that's prepared so that, like, you know, nothing's weird with it. Oh, we changed out the plates on it, etc. We know there are this many guards. We need to prepare, like, okay, how do we deal with those guards? There will be this many people. We want to make sure that we have them contained so that when we do rob the bank, none of them hit the silent alarm, none of them hit the phones. We have to make sure that this happens right, this happens right. And there's a lot that can go wrong in that, too. Yeah. Which is cool as well. And I like the idea of having a group of criminals that has to, like, make something go off without a hitch. Yeah. And plus the time system that uh, Knives in the Dark uses is also kind of unique, but also gives you sort of a... Things can be happening in the wider world. And, like, things can even be happening in factions you're not in... Like, in in districts of the city that you're not involved with, like, while you're doing stuff. Like, while you're doing stuff, each faction can be using their own clocks to wrestle control from each other. And you as the DM can decide that and use that to better shape and change the, the face of this, like city that you're in. Yeah. So. All right. So, that's about all the time we have. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Chad, Pat, and Harry for joining us for this yep. podcast. Really appreciated your input. Yes, we'll, great. We'll get you for the next one. Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, uh, things in the future. Are we planning anything Um. coming up? Probably going to do an E3. We're going to have to do an E3 podcast at some point because uh, everyone does. We have a bunch of backlogged We have a lot of backlogged nonsense. That will um, come up. I know um, we were thinking about possibly doing a uh, a, a co-op podcast with our yeah. good friends at uh, Quester's Way. I know I was talking with the uh, other Adam, yeah, about uh, doing a like a DM's corner, a DM's shower thoughts, which is another podcast that uh, uh, I'll, I'll be on eventually. That Adam will be on, uh, and I know we were talking about possibly doing a co-op thing with that with the Talkbox. Oh podcast, yeah, and maybe, that'd be cool. You know, doing a crossover episode. Yeah. So, um, I think we already talked about a bunch of stuff we were planning in the beginning. Talked about a bunch of stuff. Um, so, yeah. I think I already talked about it, but last... I think I talked about the last podcast. They announced the new Valkyria Chronicles. It's going to be real good. Yeah, I'm gonna I keep, saw that. I am going to keep pushing this damn game until it's good and in my hands. Because it's, it's a real thing that's happening. All right. Yeah. Um, so That's my uh, thing I'm excited about. What am I excited about? I don't know. You don't know what you're excited about? Oh, Splatoon 2 Octo Expansion coming out in July. There you go. That'll be yeah. nice when you get a chance to get that in your hands and play it. I already I pre-ordered it, so... There you go. Yeah. Should be coming out soon, mm. and then looking forward to it. Yep. You can be a squid. I mean... Uh, octo. An octo. Octopus. That doesn't rhyme with kids so well. Anyways, that's been us. Thank you for listening to us. We're on YouTube, iTunes, uh, various other podcasting services. Where and else are we? Anywhere else? Uh, Anchor. We switched service to Anchor now. Ah, we're in Anchor now? Yeah. Uh, So, yeah. And we're also in your hearts. Love you. (laughs) Love you too. All right. (laughs) Have a good one, everybody. See you next time.